0: Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize this, but when you're on a work permit and you have work experience in Canada, that boosts your CRS score. So CRS is used for permanent residence, and maybe in the future we can go much more in depth for that, but it's used for three particular permanent residence applications with the Canadian experience class, which is the one which most international students will be looking into. The Federal Skilled Worker Program, some students might actually already qualify for this if they have one year work experience outside of Canada. Or the federal skill trades. Very few
1: international students fall into that one. So the top two there. Welcome back, listeners, to College Cast. I'm your host, Trevor Potts. This week, we're joined once again by our guest, Amadeep Hare, immigration lawyer at Sedai Law Office, for a deeper dive into your Canadian immigration questions and how you can navigate the complex journey from international student to permanent resident of Ontario. So it's a great conversation, so let's not waste any more time and dive right into our conversation with Amandeep Hare. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of College Cast. This week, we're lucky to invite back to the podcast Amandeep Hare Immigration lawyer at Sedai law office for a deeper conversation on uh, permits, compliance. We're going to kind of explore some things that we didn't get to talk about last time. Uh, so, thanks very much, Deep, for taking the time to join us again. We're happy to have you back on the College Cast.
0: No problem. We're happy to be here.
1: Perfect. Uh, yeah, like uh, we were discussing a little bit earlier, I think it would be nice to just cover a couple things as a refresher for those who um, want to touch up on basic immigration concepts. So, uh, last time we discussed types of visas, but I think more importantly, we're looking at permits, when it comes to international students, what they want, permits for temporary residence, so work and study permits. So maybe you could just give us a quick refresher on the differences between the work and study permits.
0: Sure. You know, we'll look at visas as well because I think there's some confusion about what a visa is and what a permit is. So um, let's begin there, actually. So I think a lot of people, what they'll say is like, well, I have a work visa or I have a study visa. And usually, as immigration lawyers, we cringe a little when we hear that. Um, And the reason for that is um, a visa is actually a very specific type of document, it's a travel document. So it allows you to actually come into Canada and actually sort of live here now not everyone from every single country needs a visa um, Americans are an obvious example of people who don't um, There's people from India China they generally need a visa to travel to Canada so that's all a visa is so you don't actually get a work visa in Canada or a study visa in Canada. Now, in some other countries you do but in Canada we don't do it like that in Canada if you want if you're a foreign national, who doesn't have permanent residence or Canadian citizenship, and you come to Canada, you need to have a permit to do specific things. So if you want to work in Canada, you obviously need a work permit. If you want to study in Canada, with a few exceptions, you need a study permit. Um, So two different things. Just keep that in mind when you do apply that a visa and a permit are two different things, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good thing to distinguish because there there's an assumption if you're not in the immigration uh, realm when it comes to immigration law that they're interchangeable terms. But uh, I bet if anyone uh, you know wants to uh, see how that's not the case, if you bring it up in front of an immigration lawyer, they'll you'll see a cringe. I'm, I'm sure. So um, I, I guess one of the most relevant things when it comes to uh, Work permits, I think a lot of people have in their minds the post graduation work permit and um, the kind of importance of uh, looking into that and understanding how you apply. And uh, I wonder if we can go a little bit deeper into uh, the post grad work permit and kind of your insights into applications and how you navigate it.
0: Of course, yeah. So, what a post graduation work permit is, is such, it sounds exactly like what it is. Once you graduate, from school, you get a work permit. Um, now, it's not every single school. It's two types of school specifically. Any publicly funded designated learning institution, which is an institution IRCC has recognized to accept international students, or a privately funded designated learning institution that can grant degrees. Now, here's the good news for all of your listeners all the colleges which are a member of the Ontario College Student Alliance are publicly funded schools and therefore they qualify for that uh, post-graduation work permit. All they need to do is complete their degrees and they'll get a post-graduation work permit. Uh, How long, it'll depend on the particular length of their program. So for example, if your program's eight months in length, you get an eight-month post-graduation work permit. If it's one year, you get a one-year post-graduation work permit, so on and so forth, until you hit two years. Two is the magic number. If you get two years program completed, or you get two programs about that length, you get a three-year post-graduation work permit.
1: Right. And so for students that let's say they're changing programs, they went into a certificate program that's one year and say they want, they extended it to a two year program. Does it automatically update on their status or how do you let them know that you need to change your status?
0: Yeah, well, first thing you have to do is you have, you have to, cha- I mean, if you change schools, you have to tell IRCC right away um, that you're starting a new school. So your study permit, will actually let you study at any designated learning institution across Ontario, um, actually across Canada, as I could fairly say, but you need to let IRCC know. And what you do is you go into my CIC portal and change. But if you're only changing programs, don't worry about it. Um, part two to all this is when you do get it, and if you wanna apply for a post-graduation work permit, um, what they want to see is what does your school say at the end? So if your school says you graduated, great, they'll look at it and go, okay, two years with the length of your program, or you did two programs, two years in length, great, we'll give you a three-year post-graduation work permit. Now, there's a few other things that they have to keep in mind, which is compliance throughout your studies. So one of the requirements is that throughout your program, you must maintain full time student status or part-time student status but to get a post-graduation work permit at all times you must maintain full-time student status that's determined by your school if at any point in time you fall to part-time you lose your qualification for a post-graduation work permit
1: right i think that's a clear distinction to make keep in mind that um i know in conversations we've had with students and with student leaders, there's a lot of students will do a part-time job and there's a temptation to shift your studies, particularly now it's so flexible, um, Mm -hmm. to shift your studies towards a part-time model, but keeping in mind that you you can't do that if you wanna continue on with your uh, application for the post-grad work permit.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I see this all the time where students had one semester, maybe they were having a bad time. I know mental health is an issue. one of the things which can come up is, you know what, maybe that semester they went part-time, but nobody told them. And unfortunately, then they lose their qualification of post-graduation work permit. There are options at that point, I just wanna be clear. Um, One of the ones I've used for clients in the past is what's called a temporary resident permit. Um, This is very, I'll be very clear, this is not the same as just being as the other permits. What a temporary resident permit is saying, in some way, shape, or form, you are either non compliant with your immigration conditions or you're inadmissible to Canada. So, frequently, what I do here is when people are criminally inadmissible to Canada, we find them into the country using this. But in this case, you're saying, I was non compliant. And it was for these circumstances in particular. You can apply for this. And then they may give you a work permit afterwards, which is not a post graduation work permit, but it's functionally the same thing. So if it's, let's say if it's a two-year program, they'll say, oh, look, well, okay, this is what happened. I can't qualify for a post-graduation work permit, but I will ask for a TRP instead. Um, and if the TRP is improved, they'll give you a three-year post-graduation work permit. These are not easy. These do require some finesse, but it can be done. Um, so if you do find yourself uh, thinking, oh God, I everything's broken, might be a good time to talk to somebody and get some help getting that TRP instead.
1: Okay, so for students that are worried about compliance issues, let's say they've breached one of the terms of of what's allowable, where would you direct them to go in that regard? Do they reach out to IRCC? Do they contact an immigration lawyer? Where's the kind of the pathway there?
0: Yeah, no, this is the point I would say. If you have breached your conditions, talk to a lawyer right away. Um, This is sort of that, you know, this is when you make your phone call. Um, The reason you do that is, at this point, you need to get your status back in order. Um, and getting your status back in order once you've breached your status, it's a lot more difficult than just trying to maintain it over time. Um, get a lawyer involved. The lawyer can look at your personal circumstances, um, go over all that and try to figure out how exactly we can straighten out your um, for particulars, And if you're looking for a lawyer, I'd always suggest is one, you can call the Law Society, in your case in Ontario, or the CBA, the Canadian Bar Association, or the Ontario Bar Association. And they can obviously help you find somebody who can assist you. So,
1: Yeah, those are great resources uh, in the event that a student breaches the terms of their study permit. Because if I remember last time when we discussed this, uh, violations can include a lot more than what we'd normally consider as severe crimes, right? Like examples uh, such as driving under the influence. So there's a lot more nuance to these non-compliance issues than I think we're frankly aware of. And, and you know, Amadeep, I wonder if you could talk more about these non-compliance issues.
0: Yeah, so what we're talking about there specifically is what's called criminal inadmissibility. Um, so what can happen is if you're actually charged with a criminal offence in Canada, you could potentially have your study permit canceled. Um, now there's two levels of criminal admissibility. There's what's called serious criminal admissibility and there's ordinary criminal admissibility. If you're a permanent resident, so that's sort of the higher level up, the only way you could be removed from Canada is if you have committed a serious criminal offense or you sort of lost your status for other reasons, but for criminal reasons, that's the only way, serious criminal offense. Now, what I don't like about that term is, it. most people draw their attention to, oh, that means murder, rape, those sort of things. Well, it what it actually means is any sort of offense which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years or more. So at that point, we're also looking at things like um, drinking and driving, any sort of impaired driving, um, and I can even include a boat. I've actually seen people get caught with that, so that's a, another reason. Um, now, as a temporary resident, you can be removed for that, or any sort of what's called ordinary criminal offense. So, what is that? That's any offense which can be indictable, or a hybrid offense. And hybrid offense is one which is either indictment or summary. Now, I'll use some colloquial language here, which is largely based off the American media. What is indictable? Well, it means that uh, it's sort of a higher level serious criminal offense. Um, in the U.S., they use the term uh, misdemeanors versus uh, felonies. This would be sort of the equivalent of a felony. A summary of offense is a actually um, misdemeanor. Uh, but here's the problem: Go open up your criminal code if you have a copy in your school library. You'll notice pretty much every single offense will say at the bottom under punishment. By indictment, it will be this. By summary, it will be this. I think 99% of them are like that. The problem is immigration law treats any sort of offense which has the option of indictment as an indictable offense. So, for foreign international students, if you're charged with a criminal offense, you really are in a lot more strict circumstances. The other thing which can sort of get you under ordinary criminality is. it is summary offenses. If you have two summary offenses, that's enough to get you removed. Uh, there's very, very few pure summary offenses in Canada. Um, so pretty much all of them are indictable and summary. So uh,
1: That's a good, good distinction between um, what they qualify as. I think yeah. Uh, yeah, it is more nuanced. And that's why it's good to speak if you're concerned about that you've broken one of uh, one of the requirements for your study permit. Let's say it's important to speak to an immigration lawyer who knows what they're talking about. Now, um, I wonder, Ahmed, if we could cover a kind of detour towards eligibility and the kind of when it comes to the post grad work permit. Um, there are specific conditions, of course. One of them, you have to graduate from a designated learning institution, of course, but. I wonder if you could talk more about, there's a 180 days um, application period, if you could cover that a bit and maybe some more of the eligibility criteria.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean, the eligibility criteria is that you, were, you, say you graduated from a designated learning institution, you always maintained full-time student status. Um, those are two things. Um, as long as those are there, you're fine. And then of course, the term length is, as I said, by however long your studies were. But now let's go to the next step here. What happens when you apply? Well, you have to apply in the first 180 days. Again, if you miss it, we can look at a temporary resident permit there as well. Um, That'd be another way we could get it, but you wanna apply as soon as you get it. Now, here's the deal. This is where a lot of people get caught up, is 120, 80 days from the moment you find out you have completed your program. Most people think, oh, that's the day I walk across the stage. No, no, no. It's the day the school sent you a letter saying, you've meet, met your degree requirements. You are now eligible to graduate. Please apply to graduate. Um, so in a situation like that, you wanna apply for that post-graduation work permit right away. Um, there's other bit of good news as soon as you do apply. Uh, You're actually entitled to keep working. Um, You can work full time until the decision is made on your post-graduation work permit. This is an exemption just for people applying for a post-graduation work permit.
1: Right, so that's specific to that particular work permit. I wonder if we could look at a couple other types, just just touch on other types of work permits um, you've talked about before. Um, the influence if you have a, a spouse or partner uh, who's a Canadian citizen, let's say, or having work experience. I wonder if um, if someone's not considering a postgrad work permit, um, coming from an international student background, what, what other avenues could they pursue for work permits?
0: Yeah. Okay, let me just correct what I just said, sorry. Um, what I meant actually was if this is only for students, it's not a, actually for students applying for post-graduation work permit. Right. If you're applying for any work permit, you can take advantage of that exemption. So a couple other options you can look at. Um, one of the options for uh, post-graduation you can look into is actually applying for what's called a free trade agreement work permit. These are very common. Um, Canada like you, has some really good free trade agreements with other countries, particularly in the Americas, um, the US, Chile, Mexico come in mind, um, where if you've graduated from a program and you, like you work in a profession, you can get what's called a professional free trade agreement work permit. So good example is under the Canada-US-Mexico free trade agreement, or as it's formally called NAFTA. There is the Canada-US-Mexico Free trade agreement post is a um, free trade agreement for professionals. So, some examples where people get it lawyers, uh, graphics designers, um, fortunately, not computer programmers for some odd reason, but systems analysts come in and some other related professions to computer programmers. Uh, Engineers can get them. And there's a whole list. Um, Some require, and the general requirements for this work permit, and it's a similar one in Chile, is that you need to have a job offer in that profession and you need to meet the minimum education requirements. Now, for a lot of the more traditional professions like being a lawyer, you need a university degree. But many, like a graphics designer, you just need to have a college diploma and some work experience. And that could have been gained while you were a student, that could have been gained back in your home country, but typically you wanna have a diploma and some work experience. Or you can also get a degree and then you don't need the work experience.
1: Actually, you know what, that ties in really well. We had a question from uh, one of our um, respondents, one of our students, uh, Demindu Singheth. Uh, Demindu, he asked, is it a requirement for international students to be employed in the field that they studied? So I think he's speaking in particular, looking towards um Integrating into Ontario in the workforce and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe looking at a different career field than he's currently studying?
0: Yeah, so let's uh, look into that. I'm assuming this means for the post graduation work permit, and the answer is no. You don't need to specifically go into the particular field that you studied. That being said, there is one thing you have to keep in mind. I mean, I'm going to be honest, most international students want to become permanent residents down the road. Mm. Um one of the things to keep in mind is this, uh, generally speaking, for most of the immigration programs in Canada, you want to have what's called skilled work experience. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to necessarily go into your particular field, but your experience should be skilled. So this could be, and the way it's defined is this, it's uh, under the National Occupation Classification System, or NOC, 0 A or B. So these are skill levels zero, A, or B. Zero is managerial. So a lot of people, they can take advantage of, let's say they're a manager, even like at a Tim Hortons, if they're the manager, not the supervisor, but manager of a Tim Hortons, for example, they could, I could take advantage of this. So I, I can see a lot of people can take advantage of that. Um, but you could also be a manager at an office. You could be a manager anywhere. As long as it's managerial, you can qualify under that. A is skilled professionals. So the ones which obviously come up are doctors, lawyers, accountants. They generally fit into the skilled level. But there are others which follow in there. Um, again, this would be something you want to look at your job duties. You are looking up there. Um, the other one you want to look into is skilled trades, NOCB. Um, so these are things like graphics designers come up. Um, those areas will fall into NOCP. Um, As long as you're in one of those three, no problem, you qualify. If you're anything below, so C and D, you don't, there's usually special immigration programs for you, but people who are on the post-graduation work permit try to get some work experience there. And the reason is nearly every immigration program will want at least one year work experience at that level.
1: That's a good distinction, yeah. And and particularly... um a lot of students are looking at those specific careers and how they relate to uh, employability later on. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I guess we can transition a little bit and look a little more deeply at, so you're in a career that fits into one of these categories, the OA or B categories. Um, So you fit into one of these categories, you're able to secure a, a position after work and you're looking to apply to the post-grad work permit program. Um, we did talk last time a little bit about the CRS, the scoring system, and what you can do in particular for increasing your score. Um, I wonder if we could look at that a little bit more and talk about things that students may not uh, necessarily look to that can benefit them and with their CRS.
0: Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize this, but when you're on a work permit, and you have work experience in Canada, that boosts your CRS score. So CRS is used for permanent residence, and maybe in the future we can go much more in depth for that, but it's used for three particular permanent residence applications of the Canadian experience class, which is the one which most international students will be looking into. The Federal Skilled Worker Program, some students might actually already qualify for this if they have one year work experience outside of Canada. Or the Federal Skilled Trades, very few international students fall into that one. So it's the top two there. Um, So what happens here is this, Um, if you have work experience in Canada, you start getting additional points, and the entire process works like this, this is one of the reasons, though, that uh, you want to have at least three years post-graduation work permit is, one, it gives you time to find a job. Two, getting more work experience in Canada will actually start slowly boosting your CRS score. Now, this can be particularly important in Ontario because... In Ontario, if you're not applying through the general stream for provincial nominations and you're going through express entry, oftentimes this is the best way to get you a higher score. Um, if the Ontario PNP system works sort of on a. This is another way you can get some additional points is you can get 600 points from the Ontario government. But unlike the program here in BC, Ontario uses a random draw. So, You might be waiting for a while for that random draw to get that 600 points. And the Ontario government sets the criteria every draw. Whereas over here, with this, you can boost your points just enough to get you into that 450 to 470 range. This is what we usually recommend for people to qualify for an express entry draw. In the future, it might go up, it might go down. I can't say for sure, but that's sort of where you want to be.
1: Well, that's a wrap on this part two episode with Amandeep Hare. Thanks for joining us listeners for our conversation with Amandeep Hare, immigration lawyer with the Law Office. Stay tuned for part three where we go further into more immigration programming, how health status affects your immigration outcomes, and that journey towards Canadian citizenship. So thanks again for listening in. Stay tuned for the final part three episode following this with Amandeep Hare. And we'll catch you next time on College Cast.